people who are good at comedy know that you can a joke that might be seen as probo mm. you can ditch because you've got infinite amount of mm. jokes jokes are like love there's no cap you go all right so if this one doesn't work oh damn it was a good one in that context if you know my intentions doesn't matter next it gets better because it has to get better Welcome to the Made of Human podcast. I am Sophie Hagen. I'm your host. I am a comedian. I'm a podcaster. I'm, um, I just woke up and had too much salmon for breakfast. You didn't think it was doable, but it turns out it is. Uh, this episode, I, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I, and I'm not really sure I remember even where I met Lisa Sky. I'm not sure I even still really truly believe that she's a real person. <laughs> I could have spoken to Lisa for probably um, 20 hours uh, and still had questions and uh, I probably would have had to take a lot of naps uh, just to kind of get uh, to have enough energy to talk to her. I am... Um, I was really, I am amazed. I'm amazed by her. I hope you will love her because what a force of nature. So please, um, oh, get excited is what I'm going to say. Uh, before I let you listen to this very special episode, uh, I just want to quickly say uh, I'm doing live episodes of the Made of Human podcast, which are always so nice and so much fun. And I love you all for, for coming to them. Uh, first week of July at the Soho Theatre, tickets on SohoTheatre.com. I am chatting to, on the Monday, I'm chatting to Megan Crabb, who's also known as Buddy Pussy Panda. On the 3rd of July, I'm talking to Susan Kalman. You know Susan Kalman. Wednesday, the 4th of July, I'm talking to Jesse Cave, incredible artist and comedian and actress and every other thing. 5th of July, I am talking to Danny Wallace, author of uh, Yes Man and author of, oh, oh, he's in, he's the author of My Heart. Is that a thing? Uh, then the 6th of July, 6th of July, also at the Zoe Theatre, I'm talking to Travis Alabanza, incredible artist, look them up. Uh, yeah, so go get tickets for that now. Uh, and um, God, I, I, I chatted to Lisa Skye when I was in Melbourne, and I'm so glad I did. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to truly prepare you for this. I feel like, I feel like, if the Made of Human podcast uh, what, like, was manif manifested as a person, like if Made of Human podcast was a person, and that person um, kind of rolled around in glitter and um, drank seven Red Bulls, then that person would be Lisa Sky. Please enjoy this chat with Lisa Sky. a clown's dick so <laughs> he made a talk he got the urethra and he was like <laughs> i i'm not made of stone i just press record the second before you started that sentence <laughs> so this episode will open with you saying i laughed at a clown's dick <laughs> look that's pretty on brand for me yeah <laughs> yeah go on 
Oh, it's just... I mean, <laughs> okay, so for those of you who might not know who you are, and you're one of the people who were like... Uh, like requested by my listeners. Um, so for those who won't know who you are, can you give a little introduction? I'm well-tolerated uh, comedian, activist and femme daddy, Lisa Sky, Sparkle Poppy Muppet Dominatrix. Okay, can you explain <laughs> every single one of those words? Yes, but, uh, <laughs> Comedian, look, so Sophie Hagen, I don't know if you know this, but a comedian is someone what tells a bit of funny stuff on a stage. <laughs> Wait, let me take notes. I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not getting this going. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, like I, um, so I'm more of a storyteller than a stand up, I reckon. Uh, Femme Daddy is like, I, uh, I'm kind of, I don't really identify with any of the genders, maybe, um, but I'm very like drag queeny, very femme in my, you know, kind of. So is Femme Daddy like an official, uh, an, an official word for it? Is that something you've oh, well, chosen to? It's identify us? Yeah, it's kind of something that I kind of realized because I'm not maternal, but I'm very paternal. You know, I'm the one who uh, is always either sober and having a great time or like, you know, kind of off my face, but handling it uh, and saying to me like, have you had any bread? Have some bread. Would you like some water? And like, so I'm everyone's dad, basically. Ah. Um, you know, I'm very like the kind of protector and the carer and um, also the one who bloody what they bloody say bloody goes. I know what I'm about um, and, but at the same time being femme so like mummy doesn't really suit me uh-huh. um, but yeah and you know with sex stuff I'm way more dominant I don't switch um, so that's the femme daddy stuff um, sparkle puppy just because I'm so like hello I love you look at my fur and mother dominatrix if anyone listening like haven't seen you I mean your photo will be on the podcast thing I don't know how oh, people cool, listen cool. to but anyways people should google you to Understand this yeah. spark, sparkle puppy. Check out my, yeah, as soon as you have the, a very distinct Instagram assaults their eyes. Like, oh God, I get it. Oh, oh. No, it's absolutely <laughs> like colorful. I don't even know what the words for it is, but it's like. It's like, did you ever read Babysitter's Club? No. Oh, okay. So there was a character called Claudia Kishi in that, and um, you know everyone who read Babysitter's Club would skip chapter two because that was the exposition chapter, except they'd stop at what Claudia wore. Okay. She was always wearing these like quirky stuff. Ah. So I, I kind of identify as Claudia Kishi after she got, uh, after she dropped out of art school, discovered carbs and found psychedelics. Right. <laughs> that's a good word. If, if you know the reference, that probably, <laughs> probably makes a lot of sense. You're just like, eh, okay. I Everyone have no else. idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deep cuts. And then what was the last thing? Um, Spaggle Puppy Spar- and Muppet Dominatrix. Muppet Dominatrix. Yeah, well, because like uh, again, I, I I enjoy weird sex stuff, and um, I'm I'm very consensually violent, um, and but I wish I was one of those very like kind of mistresses who are, you know like oh you worm that's where you belong like very composed pencil skirts heels all of that like very very long like a like an angry black pencil oh but I'm not I'm just like a sadistic kind of like. <laughs> If I do this, you make a noise. Um, so it's like, yeah, someone once called me a Muppet dominatrix and it's stuck. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, oh God, where to begin? Oh, there's a lot uh, to unpack. <laughs> Let's talk about dogs. I flipping love dogs. Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, who does? Um, yeah. No, that's an actual, there are people who don't. Cause and that's fine. W- is it? No. No, that's the one group of people I can't accept. <laughs> Dog haters and Nazis. <laughs> They're way up there on the list. Sophie Hagen that takes a bold stance. <laughs> um, okay, so just from like so right now, mm. in this very moment in your life, mm. 
where are you? What's your what's going what's happening right now in your emotional life? Uh, I'm tired and worn out and broken, but I have a fire in my belly, so I'm going to keep doing the thing. Yeah? Yeah. I got asthma from activism. <laughs> Go on. So <laughs> I'm just so happy to have the show title already. <laughs> um, so at the at the end of last year, kind of start of this year, I made a guide called the Safety House Guide, and it's about empowering audiences to see the stuff they want to see at the comedy festival. Um, and so it's everything about like physical accessibility um, right up until show content. And I ended up having no support on that and doing the whole project myself, but it's so worth it because it's so good. Um, and it was really funny. The, um, the resistance I got for this idea, like the vast majority of people like this is amazing. Um, but a lot of people were, my favorite was people who said like, This is progressive cancer. And I was like, oh, keep going. I'm almost there. Yes. And progressive cancer. Yes. <laughs> That doesn't even make sense in a sentence. No, it doesn't. But oh, it got me hard. <laughs> and then someone, uh, oh, a bunch of, um, weirdly enough, white males uh, said. Um, Wait, what? They spoke? It was so weird. What? They, they were like, look, do you mind if I take the floor? <laughs> just, just if I may. Waited for everyone to talk, finish. <laughs> But they said... Um, if, if, if all women have stopped talking, I would like to talk. But I just... I, I would love for all the women to first um, yep. first talk. And just you interrupt me at any time. <laughs> <laughs> But then, um, yeah, they said a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of angry boys were like, comedy should be edgy. And it's like, well, one, it sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can be whimsical. Sometimes it can be sardonic. Sometimes it can be fun. Like, it doesn't need to be edgy. Mm. Also... I do jokes in my show about K-holes and urethral sounding. Like, how edgy do you want it? Also, fucking define edgy. Yeah, exactly. Because you say, hey, how about a safe space? And you all lose your fucking bricks. Exactly. Like, how is this not it? Like, how is doing feminist, activist, um, sex positive, you know, comedy, how is that not fucking edgy? Because yeah. that is... It's a radical act. Kicking against the, the system. No, it's no, not no, fucking yeah. edgy going up saying, oh, here's a homophobic joke, here's a sex. That's not edgy. Yeah, you know what's edgy? Bloody, what about those people of different religions? Yeah, sometimes they're problematic. Oh, edgy. <laughs> I had that fucking discussion yesterday. Someone just going, oh, oh, religion is the root to all evil. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I, I, can't. I can't do this. My favorite thing is I identify as a chaotic neutral Christian. What's um, that? So it's just something I kind of came up with to really piss off people who are into Richard Dawkins. Uh -huh. um, but basically, like, I kind of, I don't know if Jesus or God or whatever exists. Don't matter. Uh, I just try not to be too much of a cunt. That's my that's my whole thing. Just don't be a dick. And people are like, I'm organized religion. I'm like, Yeah, all right, but I don't do organized religion. I just want to, if that gives some people hope, that's fine. Just like Will Anderson says, your fists rights end where my face begins. Like, just do that and be What? kind. Your fist? Your, the rights of your fist end where my face begins. So, wow, okay. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Once I understand it, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, really yeah. good. <laughs> so, like, you know, do whatever you want, but as long as you're not impeding on my, my rights and... And all that. So it's just like, yeah, whatever. Just just be nice. And people are like, oh, but we listen to so many things. I was like, no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Shh, shh, yeah, shh, shh, shh. Hush, boys. <laughs> but yeah, the, the edgy thing was hilarious because, like I said, like my so much of my comedy is willfully inaccessible to people who um, 
not like I always make it like I understand because I'm I'm polyamorous and I'm kinky and I'm queer and I know that I'm I'm coming from a lived experience that's uh not shared by a lot of people but um you know so I kind of always like say oh I'm polyamorous that means this or whatever but it's inaccessible to people who refuse to see outside the norm yeah and yeah it's just it's hilarious and like uh Candy Bowers who is amazing um also gets this like kind of pushback like just the the act of us kind of speaking about inclusivity really gets a lot of people's backs up and some you know comedians who are like really good comedians but they just it's like us saying this means that they have to examine their own things and then that makes them angry because it's like well then if if i can't rely on my old tropes because it's hard work you know like if you do a joke that's i don't know um could be misread as ableist so you write this joke you're like oh that's a good joke you're like oh tits i mean some people could see that as an ableist joke and then i mean for me the obvious thing is like okay i can't use it Mm. or like if there's any no way of reworking it i can't use it because it's people and I'm, i'm sure you get this too like people who are good at comedy know that you can a joke that might be seen as probo, mm. you can ditch because you've got infinite amount of mm. jokes. Jokes are like love. There's no cap. You go, all right, so if this one doesn't work, oh, damn. It was a good one in that context if you know my intentions. Doesn't matter. Next, never-ending sack of jokes. Like I don't yeah. get how people are like, oh, but it's a good joke even though I you know, use this slur. It's a good brother joke. Well, I'll, and I use this as, a, as an example in another podcast I recorded, but when, when that person, that man, <laughs> mm. uh, shouted about religion at me for half an hour, mm. after, and he was really furious and really righteous about it. At the end, I, I said, um, he was saying, like, all sexism stems from religion. And I said, um, well, actually, uh, I said, like, if you really look into, for example, the Quran, there's a lot of feminist stuff in there. Mm. There are so many incredibly feminist aspects of the Quran. And he was like... Oh, is is that is it is it really is it? And I and it, he wasn't upset. He should be happy. He should be like, oh really? Yeah. That's actually a really Thank good thing. Now I have no reason thing. to be angry. But yeah. what he was, he was like, you could tell he was so annoyed that oh, I might have to actually do some reading about <laughs> this. Oh, I have to read about it. Oh, I have to back up my. And that, <laughs> it's the it's the work, and I get it because like I made my tour. Um, Wheelchair accessible, yeah. gender neutral toilets, and uh, uh, anxiety safe. Meaning that there were venues that I loved gigging in for lovely, lovely people in yeah. places where that was the only venue that I would love to gig in, but I couldn't. Yeah. Because they couldn't make it wheelchair accessible. And I get it. Like, I get doing, I get, you know, we, we uh, if you've been performing for a while, you're used to saying, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Yes. And I get that it's difficult to go, uh, People of the audience. And exactly, I, I just, yeah. It is hard. But it's meant to be hard and it's not that hard. Yeah. You know? And that's what I did in a, in a safety house guide. I had a five-section expression of interest form. And at one point it was saying things like, um, how many steps lead up to your venue? Mm. Because the comedy festival, bless them, uh, they have wheelchair accessibility, but they have so many venues. Like Auntie Donna, right? Amazing. Beautiful boys. They're so funny. I love them. Um, they're at Max Watts, which is a 279-seater venue. Yeah. It's a giant venue. It's one of the flagship venues of comedy festivals where the festival club is. Yeah, so you're down at a bunch of stairs. Yeah. yeah, so it's wheelchair accessible in that there is 
one there there are one to three wheelchair seats available a night that uh-huh. you have to book in advance uh-huh. and there are no wheelchair toilets oh yeah <laughs> so that's a big word then accessible yeah. and so the safety house guide you know when i was asking how many stairs because also like if you've got fibromyalgia you might be able to climb up two stairs but you can't go that giant wheelchair ramp that circles around the building yeah and so i said look i know this is onerous but so is thinking about this stuff you know like if you just call your venue or if you're in the the city your venue is in you know and i gave them like the the eoi was open for a month so i'm like please just check because this could very well mean someone going to your show or not yeah. Um, so I had that, uh, like, so as far as accessibility, it went into way more detail than the comedy festival could. And um, my favorite thing was the audience participation traffic lights. And oh, so, yeah, because I mean, I don't even know, but it sounds like something I'd like. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm so weird. Like, I, because I'm a show pony extrovert, right? You're sorry? I'm a show pony extrovert. Okay. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I hate audience participation. Absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely. makes oh my, my skin shrink. It's the only time I still feel that hot flush of shame I got when I was a teenager yeah and weirdly enough I love fully immersive theater I don't know why like uh, you know when you walk into the room the party is happening around you you are a piece of the theater yeah yeah, yeah. I love that maybe because I'm a pretentious wanker (laughs) but um and yeah so it won't be a deal breaker for me to go to a show with audience participation even though I'll be like oh but I know sometimes if I'm feeling like you know one um one Edinburgh, I was getting sexually harassed, you know, the usual. And I was just feeling very insular. And a show that had come highly recommended had this audience participation where everyone had to play suck and blow, which is this party game where you, like, oh. suck a, a playing card, pass it to the next person, yeah. blow it to them. One, I'm a germaphobe. Ain't no way I'm fucking playing seven blockers. And two, it was, like, these two guys next to me and I just felt like I, I don't want to be touched yeah. right now. I, I just don't want anything. And so this is, yeah, like if it could be that audience participation, yes or no, it could be that you love it, it could be that you hate it, but you're not going to make a big deal of it. Sometimes people just want to watch a fully scripted show and mm. relax. And it's not like, um, oh, I can sit in the back because people break the fourth wall now, mm. especially with, you know, clowning and stuff. They'll pick someone from the middle back row. Yeah, that's um, the worst. Exactly. So what yeah. was it? Was it like a badge or something you could wear? Or? Oh, no, no, it was just a little, in the safety house guide, um, it's a, there's, a little traffic light with um, like dark green to red and there's five levels. So the first one is like fully scripted piece. The last one's fully immersive. Then there's like, you know, kind of like what I do is like voluntary. Oh, so you mean for the show? Yeah, yeah, for for the For every show you can see. Because I was thinking it was like it's something you could wear like a badge to a show. That's great. So the comedian would know this person is up for it. Do not touch this person. That'd be, that could be, that's not a bad idea, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I've got a fan in Edinburgh who, um, uh, she's on the spectrum, I, th- I think, and she said that, yeah, she just will shut down with audience yeah. participation. Like, she will just leave. Yeah. And so now, um, because she saw me in, like, 2013, and we've had, like, a an irregular correspondence since then, and every so often when I'm in Edinburgh, she's like, um, I'm thinking of going to these six shows. Are they going to be okay? Oh, nice. Um, I, went, I, went, I saw a comedy show in New York by one of my favorite comedians. And I looked when I saw the when I bought tickets. I it I couldn't. I thought it was another setup for the room, mm. so I ended up on the second row. But it was like more or less where he was looking the whole show. And then he asked a question, and I must have made a movement or something out of pure like don't move, don't move. Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. hand went somewhere. 
and he asked me this question and I was just, like it was it was so embarrassing because I was like not I just lost all ability to speak English and yeah. I was just like I started lying about yeah. the answer to the and then he you could tell he was like because you could see the whole thing from the comedian's perspective as yeah. well you're like I can see how I would yeah, you need if to be I the was the comedian, man. Yeah. yeah, I can see how this looks. Like I'm the weirdo going, uh, 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 yeah, uh, I was arrested, and then he said, where, when? I was like, uh, I don't know. You know, I, was like, <laughs> I can fucking tell how this is, how this looks, and it was so horrible. It was. Yeah. I met him in the street afterwards, and I just ran. I just went like the opposite <laughs> way. I was like, no, I'm not even looking. He did like a and like, like, oh, it's you, kind of looking. <laughs> and you're like, like and I just went around the corner, like, no, 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 no. It was so horrible. Oh gosh, it was so oh. bad. Yeah, I and yeah, if they say, what do you do? Um, you know, because I'm a full time comedian as well. So like, what do you say? I just say like, oh, student. Yeah, I t- haven't teacher. studied for fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm not a student. I feel it's like 21 weird. Jump Street. Yeah. Like I'm 36. I'm a drama going to university. I want my, I want my, well, and also for me, it works both ways with my audiences. Mm. I want them to know that they can sit in the front row. I'm not going to. Yes. Not gonna, and also if they leave during the show, like I'm not going to make fun of them. I'm yeah. not going to be like, oh, where the fuck are you going? Also, they need to know that sometimes you're a comic and you'll say something, you'll go, oh, shit, you know. Yeah. Like I had, I had a, a woman faints during a show and I was just like, right, do everything you can to take all the um, attention away from her. You know, because the staff were yeah. already on her so I was just like trying to be like, hey, look at me, look at me, yeah. I'm in the middle woo, of the... Woo, 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 and and like, don't look at them, don't look at Because I was like... Because you're my, such a physical performer. Just, <laughs> I became a physical performer that day. Jumping out like, look at me, look at me. Fuck, I'd love to say because when you're on stage you're such a kind of commanding storyteller and people are just drawn to your stillness so i'd love to see you just be like well i can't compete with someone fainting (laughs) okay listen to my listen to my stories um but i want them to feel but also the other way around i want them to know that i also don't like interaction like i don't want to talk like if someone starts heckling or like saying stuff like i don't want that either yeah it's a weird thing to ask an audience for like can you please not uh just don't don't talk to me could you just not well that's the really interesting thing is like uh where a comic is kind of brought up like um i do a lot of gigs in berlin which Mm. is the nicest place to visit but i'm not sure if it's the nicest place to be brought up as a comic Mm. because there are comedians who've been there for like 10 years run a room gig three times a week for 10 years they are amazing comics but someone heckles them and because people don't heckle in Berlin uh. they're like oh don't <laughs> and I remember me because you know like I've spent so many years in Edinburgh I'm like the Hannibal Lecter with the like mask on the trolley. I'm like bring me on like I was meant to headline <laughs> this gig and there were some drunk Australians heckling yeah. and after the, the second guy because they're all like local Berlin people after the second guy just being like oh, oh stop that oh. and the hecklers were like definitely starting to control the room uh. I was like bring me on stage I don't care bring me on and then I just got on and I was like all right let's have some fun like <laughs> let's play um but I like because I I grew up in Melbourne it's hilarious seeing the Brisbane comics because I get a lot of happy hecklers like a and, like, bless them, I know that it's just, like, a social cues thing, but if I say, like, um, you know, oh, well, it's like, you know, if I was to go to Thomastown and someone goes, oh, my auntie's from there, you know, it's that happy heckler. Yeah. And now I know how to kind of, like, cool, you know, like, discourage them from talking again, but also not queer up the room yeah. by making it feel weird. Brisbane comics, because it's such a fucking mud pit there. <laughs> like, someone will be, like, you know, kind of, um, 
Like, oh, and then I said to him, I don't think so. And someone will yell, oh, yeah, I'd say that too. The Brisbane comics is just like, what are you going to Like, they just come in too hot. <laughs> because in Brisbane, if you give audiences an inch, apparently I'm too scared to gig there so far. If you give them an inch, they'll just like run the room. And so a few times it's like, oh, God, there's a Brisbane comic. It's oh, just wow. kind of, you know, like a one out of five heckle, like kind of a six out of five response. <laughs> Whoa, okay. It's pretty funny. <laughs> right, okay. You're, you're too interesting for us to talk about one specific thing. I know, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, because I want to go back to so many of the things you said. All right, um, well, let's go to the phones. What do you want to hear? I'm, I'm gonna, I want to go back to the kink stuff. Okay. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so am I right to assume you started as a f uh, date dating phone operator or something like that? Oh, yeah, no, no. My, my show, like just BDSM for me is just a fun vital part of my life um no uh one of my first jobs while i was putting myself through uni was being a monitor for a phone dating agency mm -hmm. and so this is what my recent solo show is about is um reading out the messages that i heard uh so this is before the internet um so it was well early 2000s so it was when internet dating wasn't a thing yet like if you met someone off the internet it was like you met them in a forum and yeah, it was yeah. this weird novelty and everyone still had landlines and um yeah so that there'd be these dating lines where you would call up you'd set up a kind of answering machine and people would browse the answering machine like voice mailboxes and leave messages back and forward and so i had to check for underage callers abusive callers things like that um just to kind of keep the system as safe as we could because there was no barrier to entry Uh, and yeah, so I worked there for four and a half years Wow! and this is the first time I'm talking about it. So I did it from like, for yeah, a couple of years in the early 2000s. And then I wrote a book and the book sucked. And then I kind of put it in like storage for about 10 years and now I'm talking about it and it's been really fun. Yeah. But that's, so that's not sex. That's love. Well, oh, it was, is it was there sex. even a difference? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a gong sounds the different in existence. Um, well, that's not part of the kink then. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, no, that was that was a lot of them. See, because when I started, I thought, because back then I was still quite inexperienced with BDSM. Um, when did you get into BDSM then? Like, what um, was, how does that start? When I was four, stay with me, um, you know Bugs Bunny? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, there's a bloody Bugs Bunny. There's a bloody Bugs Bunny cartoon. And there's a chicken hawk. And he captures Foghorn Leghorn. Do you remember Foghorn Leghorn? No, it's oh, another name. He's a big Danish. chicken. Foghorn Leghorn's a big bloody chicken. And he bloody, the, the chicken hawk captures him. And he binds him up so he can't bloody move. And he puts him what can only be described as a forced feminization machine. Whoa. And makes him a lady chicken. And then they get married and he can't say anything because he's all bound up. Tiny four-year-old Lisa's there going... Oh, this is capturing my attention. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so it was like I always knew I was queer. Like, you know, when I was um, nine, I had posters of Drew Barrymore, hmm. Wendy James from Transvision Vamp, Madonna. Hi, I'm 36. Um, <laughs> just all the trashy blondes. Like, I remember the first time I saw nipples on, on screen. I was such a tiny little baby gay. But, yeah, so I've always known that that has been in me. Um, but, you know, like I, I wasn't able to explore that until after high school. Uh, and, yeah, so I thought being on this system would, like, kind of – I'd be able to explore my, like, you know, the whole gamut of sexual, you know, kind of the mores and stuff, but no. Nah. They were all very, very – like, 95% of the callers were staunchly heterosexual, staunchly vanilla, and wanted to cheat, cheat on their wives. Uh. That was what the system was, yeah. 
Right. Okay. So let's go. So fuck that. Go back to the BDSM. <laughs> we, we, don't have, we don't have room for vanilla. <laughs> okay. So, but that's interesting, isn't it? So do you think that was, because that's, is that a, an ancient kind of uh, problematic thing when people say that kink usually stems from something that happened in your childhood and then that became your thing? No, I mean, do you think you were born? <laughs> you born into it? <laughs> I think my makeup, um, both uh, nurture and nature, is for excess and is for pleasure and hedonism. Like my parents are just pleasure bloodhounds, <laughs> you know, they're joy truffle pigs, and so I grew up with this like need for excess and pleasure. Like they both work in retail, and yet. You know, they just money bungees out of their hands. Like, there will be no inheritance. Um, you know, they're very, very generous, very loving. But, yeah, everything has to be in kind of pursuit of fun. Mm. And so I think BDSM can be just a manifestation of that fun. Um, and so, like, with me, it's another form of joy. And it's a very unique joy because I don't I don't switch. So I'm always dominant. It was hilarious. I thought I was submissive. Like I thought I was switchy for a while with, um, my boyfriend. Um, uh, and we were at a party and we were talking and I said, you know, Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty much switchy. And he snorted. I'm like, what? I switch with you. He goes, no love. You just get greedy because it gets to a point where I've come so much. I'm like, yeah, do more things at me. Yes. More of the things and harder. Go on then. And then like in my brain, I was like, Oh, look how submissive I've been. But yeah, so I just, I don't have that. I wish I was switchy. I just don't have that makeup. I need to be the one who's running the fuck. And I mean, if they're better at it, go ahead. They can try. They're not going to be. So I have to control it. It's like everything in life. Um, but, but um, yeah, so I just, like, I love inhaling people's consensual suffering because this like sadism, especially is something that, um, you know, if you've got a masochist and, and I've got a lot of checks in place. Like I never, I never start a relationship with anyone who's under 25. I feel weird about that. I need someone who's sober, who is, you know, very experienced. I need them to know and articulate what they want um, because that kind of adds a level of comfort to me because I never want to talk anyone into something. Um, and that's, you know, because of like past trauma and abuse I had in my like early 20s and late teens, you know, I just want to make sure that they know what they're getting into. <laughs> and so um, when – and like rope, I'm a big rope guy. Like I love shibari and Japanese bondage because every – different shape and size of body tells a story. Like I tied up a guy who was in his seventies and he had like a range of move, movement that was like almost non-existent. And it was fascinating, like being able to kind of work out what story his body told and like how to kind of bind him without, you know, kind of making him a pretzel, you know, and um, just that different variety of bodies and abilities and tying up. And then the Shibari is less of a, a sadist thing and more a comforting thing. It's like adult swaddling. It's like, you're giving control over to me and I'm just kind of making you secure and safe and you can just bliss off and be happy. And then the other thing, the sadism thing is like, if I'm giving you this pain, it's a heightened state of arousal and you're getting all these endorphins and I'm like inhaling them. Yeah. What's the, <laughs> um, when I worked, when I worked in a sex shop, um, when I was 16, pretending to be 18, mm. uh, I went for a job at a sex shop when I was 18 and yeah? the guy went, no, no 45-year-old woman's going to buy a vibrator off an 18-year-old. Also, I looked like oh, 12. I proved that wrong. <laughs> yes. There were several uh, men in burkas buying sex dolls. Oh, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was weird. Um, it was a 
it was strange because you could hear them talk. It was like mm. very definitely someone who'd also never worn a burqa before. You could see it was all yeah, the niqab was yeah, all it was all like sl- yeah. askew. Yeah, it was, and also you're buying to bats. <laughs> it's not. I mean, you don't. I mean, I'm not going to be uh, prejudiced towards uh, yeah. Muslim women. I'm not saying they wouldn't enjoy a butt, but like, <laughs> it just didn't seem right to me. Anyways, yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So the the woman who also worked in the shop was uh, was into was a shibari. Mm. I haven't heard the word before uh, mm. since then, and I remember it now. That was what she was into. Yeah. What was uh, what's the sexual bit of that? Well, because it. It could just be a new form of yoga. This is what, yeah. This is what I love about it. Um, the Finns love shibari. The shibari scene in Finland is excellent. That's and yeah, such if, a you, good if you know Finns, you get it. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, a kink which is highly technical. You can stay fully clothed and not make small talk. Sign me up while not making eye contact. <laughs> the bit of vanilla. What, what is that? <laughs> freaks, freaks. <laughs> oh, I miss Helsinki. But um, yeah, like it's. I, I talk about it like it's, it's like massage. You can make it as hypersexual or totally non-sexual as you want, and you can make it as painful or as comforting as you want. So it's kind of an X, Y axis. Like I tie up friends if they're stressed um, and they're totally platonic friends. There are too many show titles in this. <laughs> Every single sentence you say is a possible show title. Because I mean, I'm, oh, I'm having second thoughts about this one. Just because I'm sick of typing it out. It's by the time you read this, Lisa Sky will have a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. My last one was spiders wearing party hats. I'm like, can you just do one word? The one before that was Lady Boner. Perfect. No, the one before that was Bunny and Mad Dog Get High. Be succinct, you tubby bastard. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I... I like kind of plot it out on a graph. So I have, I have a friend who sometimes when they get stressed, they really want a bit of a pain tie. Um, but it's, as I said, totally platonic, you know, there are, um, lovers I have who just want to be comforted, but the, it's a really sexy one with my submissive. I tie him in, in, in a pain tie, but it's hypersexual, you know, and, um, you know, he's naked throughout it. Um, and don't worry, I use different rope for that one. <laughs> and, and it's, so it's, I love how, I didn't realize I would love it so much when I first got into it. And I, but I just love how malleable it is. Like I, you know, like we could right now be like, Hey, do you want to get tied up? Cool. It's fun. <laughs> and it just depends on what the person's bringing. Like in Perth, um, I was at Thomas Ford's venue, the fuck you. And he made me a little shibari nook. And so punters could come in and get tied up. Amazing. And it was so funny because, you know, we'd go from doing like, um, a couple would come in and like the girl would get tied up and it'd be all like, no, oh, we're being a bit naughty. And this is fun. Yay. And then, a couple were on a first date and they got tied together. Oh, yeah. And I got a really switchy vibe from both of them. And I'm like, you guys are going to be just fine. <laughs> and then there was a guy that I was kind of like, it was tying up. I'm like, because <laughs> I can like sub- smell a submissive boy. <laughs> and I just kind of went like a raptor. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and one thing led to another. I ended up doing some um, clothes CBT on him, just like punching him in the nuts. And then he get, just kept coming back. <laughs> He's like, yay, this is the best. But it's um yes yeah, so it's it's what you both bring to it and it's such a diverse variety of joy you can get from this one skill when you use hemp or jute rope and you go to classes or learn safely. <laughs> when you mentioned you mentioned uh, sh- when you talk we talked about uh, audience interaction mm. you said it sometimes brings back that shame you felt in your teen years. Yeah. What what was that the shame? Oh well. I didn't realize how far I'd come with that until um, I had a weird thing happen on social media where a couple of comics were kind of trying to like 
test my soft spots and trying to give me a bit of a bullying, like just as a bit of a pissing contest mm-hmm. of like, because I'm a no one, you know, like I do comedy as a full-time thing, but you know, I don't really, I don't really sell out and I've, I've got a very niche following. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm able to sustain myself, but I'm not, I'm not managed. I'm not, I'm never going to be on TV. Oh wait, I'm going to be on the ABC soon. But besides that, <laughs> like I, and sometimes you get, you know, if, if you're talking about the things I'm talking about, like inclusivity and radical kindness, you get a, and I'm sure you know, yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. get poke, like, no, you need to be back in your place. And I had yeah. a, a bit of that. That's a bit of poke. That's also straight up punching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was hilarious because I was like, nah, we're not doing this. Like, nah, go on, mate. And I had a few really high profile friends message me and say like, are you okay? Mm. And say like, look, I've had this experience with these people or this person I was on a tour with for, you know, a month and they're really nasty and are you okay? And I didn't realize that I shouldn't be okay. Mm. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm 36. Like, I don't know. You can't really bully me. I'm fine. And it's like, if it's a one-on-one thing of being like, oh, you're a bit shit. It's like, no, no, ask me 20 years ago if I was okay because I wouldn't have been. Um, because also, like, when I was a teenager and a kid, I was very annoying because I was undiagnosed, um, ADHD, depressive. I was a nightmare. <laughs> so I was bullied and I deserved it. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. Um, but no, like, do you, like, it's a good thing to drill into. Like, do you mean that? I was so annoying. I was such an annoying kid. I was a, a theatre kid. I was an extrovert. I just... I, I was unmedicated. I just had this need for love and a, a need for attention that probably just manifested itself into just always being in everyone's faces. And I think we all know that kid, you know, mm-hmm. if we weren't, if we weren't that kid ourselves, yeah. like we know the kid Yeah. and we know people now who are the same, yeah. but it, I think it's just a harsh thing to say about your child, you like, regardless of how fucking annoying you were <laughs> to be deserving of bullying. I don't know. I just feel like I probably caused a lot of hassle and my, my pathological fear is being a bother. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, it just, so like I rubbed so many people up the wrong way and it was, you know, it was desperately unpopular and desperately lonely. Uh, and cause I was also the fat kid and my mum had instilled in me, I don't know if you know anything about this, <laughs> um, but my mum instilled in me, um, that shame about being a fatty. Like she would literally, point out like I didn't wear sleeveless tops until my mm. 30s because my mother would point out people and go oh look at it like this beautiful fatty in a summer dress oh doesn't anyone love her enough to tell her that looks horrible oh. imagine yeah and it should have been <laughs> she must have people loving her and t- giving her the confidence to wear that fucking awesome skirt yeah oh she dress. looks look at her she looks amazing yeah oh I'm not gonna butt into that person's life exactly or oh, comments none about of my business. Yeah. <laughs> but my mum's an alpha female, so uh, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah, like so, I uh, like I'm a, I'm past that stuff. Like, and I think how this, how how do you get past uh, being annoying, being bullied, to just being like, oh, I'm actually fine with <laughs> being bullied. because <laughs> oh, it's like it's equal parts like oh, it's it's pity. I, I've done a lot of therapy over the last decade. Um, and I'm just very content with my life. Like there's stuff that is shit. Like, you know, the fact that I'm a, I'm an overweight, over 30, non-binary female identifying weirdo in the comedy industry. I'm never going to get on fucking radio. <laughs> you know, so. Actually radio is probably your best shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 
I have weird potato voice. I worry more about the <laughs> television stuff. Wait, I'll do my radio voice. Hi there, Sophie. It's great to be oh here. Oh, my God. I love that. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Stop <laughs> it. The only thing is I can't turn it off. Um, so, but, yeah, like I um, uh, I, the things I'm not happy with, I'm changing. You know, like I'm trying my best. And, and if my job as a comic is to just be as visible and as good as possible and then lie on the barbed wire so other generations of like weird, kinky, fatty weirdos walk across my back and find success, that's fucking beautiful. Uh, and also I have like – I live with my husband and my boyfriend. I've got a magical vulva. You know, I, I have like relations. Uh, you have to go back again. Magical vulva? Oh, it's just a great one. Oh, it's just good. It's okay, just okay, real okay, good. Okay. It can yeah, fit heaps of stuff in it. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, oh, yeah, yeah I can do magic with my vulva. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> no, of course you can. I just want to know more. <laughs> All right, check this out. <laughs> Pick a card. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I, I, I live in – my dream house. I I have the best dog, the best husband. My boyfriend's fine. Um, <laughs> my submissive is mm, he tries. Um, no, like I, I have so much love. I have so many friends and wonderful people around me. I know you. How good are you? <laughs> For those listening, I, I love being on the list. Pointed accusingly at Sophie. <laughs> I love being on that list. My husband, my boyfriend, my dog, and, and you. you. And you. You're good. You're funny. <laughs> You made me cry in Edinburgh and I couldn't say anything. Have I made you cry in Edinburgh? Yeah. You probably forget because it was a sold-out show. Um, <laughs> in Shimmer Shatter, I knew. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And so I just walked past you and went, yep. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I had, like, some, some money in my hand, put it in the bucket, did a thumbs up and went, yep. And then later I messaged you and was like, that was really funny. I'm sorry for who I am. I don't even remember that. Oh, that's so nice. No one remembers anything in Edinburgh. I made you cry. Am I a better dom then? Yep. Yes. Yep. Game recognized game. <laughs> That's the thing. Like with true alphas, you know, because like I, I've worked out my type of guy is none. But, you know, if I'm away from mine, um, it's someone who is dominant, but you wouldn't know unless you were compelled to point blank ask them and they didn't want to lie. Like guys were like, yeah, I'm, I'm dominant, but I'm not going to make a big fuss out of it because game recognized game. And it's the same, like, if I find, like, a woman who's, like, a top alpha, I'm like, like, uh, Mistress Vishia, who I learned Shibari from, is this amazing mistress, and she's terrifying, and I love her. And I just, you know, like, um, she wants to let me uh, help her clean up her dungeon. <laughs> After a session, I was like, thank you. Yes, good, thank you. I'm sorry for who I am as a person, because she just exudes, like, power. And it's like, if you don't know when you're outclassed, you're, you're not a dom, you're an idiot. <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm not top dog in this situation. Amazing. <laughs> so, so when did you start having um, – when did you start expressing yourself in your, like, style and your – like, when did this uh, – what, what did you call it again? Sparkle? Sparkle puppy yes. mother dominatrix. When did that start? Like, have you always had green hair and blue lipstick and – Not at all. Um, I was a deeply frumpy teenager. Um, I looked like Toadie from Neighbours. I was wearing Hawaiian shirts, jeans, and Blundstones. I haven't worn dinner for 15 years. Mm. <laughs> but I I was the funny. You know, like, uh, Kimberly Dark has really interesting things to say about femininity and fatness. Mm-hmm. Because when we're growing up, we're told that we're not allowed to be beautiful, especially back in the 90s when Kate Moss was the door bitch to pretty. You know, pretty was way for thin. You know, they didn't tell us hot is a fat chick in a crop top and a mini with thighs that can destroy worlds. Like, um, so I kind of snuck through femininity um being by being told I was lesser than um because I think the trans experience in a way is very similar to the fat experience in that you're told you don't fit here you don't belong here and so I kind of snuck through via drag queen and so it took me 
like I didn't kind of start presenting myself in this way until about I started about 10 years ago but it was like more true to myself about five years ago it really started um and now I just keep getting more and more insane um like when I was in Perth I just did like full drag Every day, because I figured I'm going to get aggro because it's Perth and they're a deeply conservative place. Aggroed. Oh, aggro, aggression. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so I was like, oh, they're not going to like the thing. I'll do more of the thing. And so every day, like, I painted my entire face. And weirdly enough, I think I just baffled people. Yeah. Into, like, uh, I did a really rough gig a couple of months ago at a night who this was its last night because then it just moved rooms because it was just – there was it was a bear pit. There were, like, drunk hecklers everywhere. And, um, and again, I was headlining and, um, they, they're like a, a few comics, two comics came in, looked at the room and fucked off. Oh, <laughs> they went, none of that. And I'm like, look, it's all grist for the mill. <laughs> and, and my car's parked right outside. I could just run. <laughs> so I got on stage and I was wearing what I thought was a toned down look, but I was, <laughs> I dazzled the fuckwits so much that they just kind of stared like, cause there was people who were genuinely into it. And then there were these people that were constantly talking. It was like not even like one thirty in Edinburgh. Like uh. they were just talking and not getting kicked out. And so at one point, cause I'd already got my hackles up. I'm like, I want to play. And so I was like, are there any questions at this point? You boy, the puberty forgot anything. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I think my look uh, alienates, but it also just baffles, um, which was, which is really interesting. But yeah, so I kind of came to it through drag queen and then that kind of stuck. And so I think that's where a lot of my gender weirdness comes from, like not really identifying as a woman, um, yeah, or as a man. I just feel like I'm a drag queen. And then people say that, like, people with volvas can't be drag queens. And I say, all right, fine, let's go to a drag show. And if you don't see, if I if I don't point out a piece of clothing that I wear as day wear on one of those queens – I will stop calling myself a drag queen because it has not happened yet. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, you got that jumpsuit from Yandy. I've got that one. Or, oh, I know what's party supply shop you got those sunnies from. I've got them in orange and pink. <laughs> Every time. So, oh, my, oh there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. Okay. All right, we'll do one. Then I, we'll do another one in Edinburgh. <laughs> uh, we will, definitely. I'm already planning that in my head. <laughs> Where did you meet the 70-year-old man that you tied up? At a kink club. Talk about king claps. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't really... Oh, okay. Can I... No, no, no. Okay, so, yeah. Oh, go. Okay. I was going to say I don't really do them in Melbourne, but... Okay. My question was this. Yeah. Um, I don't remember... Oh, I, I was meant to do a podcast at one point about kink stuff and I pulled out because I'm not uh, into it. Mm. Not into it, but I'm not in it. There's a difference. Anyways. There is a difference. And I think yeah. that's that's an important, verse, uh, important voice to be heard. Possibly, but that's... Long story. Anyways. Mm. Um... So I just talked to all these people on this pilot episode about sex clubs. Mm. And all the people I interviewed were thin, uh, non-fat people. Yeah. And then I went to my – and I told my friend about it, who I've been friends with – oh, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, <laughs> I've been so you talked to John Redacted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been friends with him for fucking four or five years now. Mm. And I said, oh, I met these people at the sex club. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I often go to sex club. I was like, you, uh, you never – never fucking told me that yeah and i think during all of this i realized i've had that desire quite a few times in my life when i've tried to um uh, explore that like sexuality mm. i have n- i have never and i don't think i would feel 
safe or welcome being a fat person in a sex club? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, that is a barrier to entry that the one of the best kept secrets is it's wall to wall fatties. It's like so much body diversity at kink clubs. Um, I, yeah, I don't really go to them in Melbourne. Um, just cause I know so many people in Melbourne and mm. the first, literally the first kink club I went to when I was 18, I saw my cousin there. Oh, <laughs> and oh. I was like, Oh, Hey, um, oh, how's Arnie blah. Yep. All right. Good. Yep. Like the oh. first one. <laughs> And that is that everyone's yeah. fear? Because that's, the, that's the, the biggest fear, which is that, like, yeah. oh, hi, dad. Yeah. And then there's the the biggest fantasy, which is like, oh my god, that neighbor that I've been looking yeah, at for quite exactly. a while. Who's now it's naked. never the neighbor. It's always oh, <laughs> it's never the neighbor. It's always the hey, dad. Uncle Stuart. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, so I'm lucky enough because I travel a lot. Um, because you know, touring comedian and. I go to Berlin a lot. Um, I have a, a medical condition, which means I need to be in Berlin four to six weeks out of the year. Um, it's being a pretentious wanker. And <laughs> bloody thing! Um, uh, and the sex clubs there are amazing. How um, did you, f- the first time you, as a fatty, mm. how did you get yourself from realizing you wanted to go to a king club and then actually going? Um... Because that's another part. Really the same with the, yeah. the fatty being uh, not allowed to be feminine or not allowed yeah. to be beautiful. It's the same. We're not allowed to be sexual either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think there are so many fat people with a fucking blooming, explosive yeah. sexuality. We're just not. Yeah. We just don't. Just sh- shut up. Turn off the lights. You know, just be lucky if you can get anything. Oh basically. God, I need the brightest light. <laughs> the brightest. Like light at a dentist's office. Yeah. <laughs> oh, full use. Yes, and stainless steel. Oh, because also like OCD germaphobe. Yes, bright light. <laughs> yes, anti-back. Oh, that's why I really like urethral sounding. That's like putting um, rods in someone's urethra. Look, we've got no time. Um, God, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> like a lolly bag of fucked. <laughs> Another episode size. It's everything you say. We have to cut this into 10 different episodes. So we're going to have 10 different titles. <laughs> but um, I I love, like I, I kind of went... Um, in a good way, like I, I was lucky enough to know a lot of kinky people. Mm. And so there's a difference between kink clubs and sex clubs. Okay. Yeah, so kink clubs, um, my perfect example is once at a club that I used to go to a lot in Melbourne, um, Provocation, I just don't have the time to do it now, tends to be fully clothed. Some people be like, you know, kind of like, ooh, look, I've got like my titties out. Or like, like naked is fine, but if you're wearing like a black shirt and black pants, that's fine. Uh, and you can be fully clothed. And there are people, you know, size 28 people there. Like the kink world is very like body welcoming. And um, there was a couple having vanilla sex and everyone was like, would you look at that? They were like a novelty. And even like one of the organizers kind of had a quiet word to them. It was like, you know, hey, if you um, if you jizz, make sure you just clean it up because come on now. And so kink club and like so meeting kink kinky people is a really good way because you see kinky people um come in all shapes and sizes and you know like my mentor hunter um is uh, a, a you know big big trans man and um he, he you know and so he was like my kind of entrance into that kink world and and yeah so that was a very inclusive space um sex clubs it kind of that's a more swinger environment and it depends on which one you go to. They can be very body policey. I find that in Berlin, there's an amazing night called honey and spice, uh, which is no, if you live your life as a cisgendered man, 
this is not the party for you. So it's very inclusive of trans men, trans women, all of that. But you can't be a cisgendered man who lives life as a man who puts a wig on and goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a transvestite, I am. It's like, no, 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 that's – and they're very welcoming body-wise. And it's so amazing because it's so German. Like they all like go around in a circle and they're like, this is my name. These are my pronouns. Here's what I'm looking for. And this is whether I'm on a broad date. And I love that because, again, like um, because I was diagnosed with ADHD so late, I'm hyper-organized and I'm very process-driven. And so the Germans, like I had a friend who was like, okay, I have, I'm a switch. I uh, have a topping date at 8 o'clock, but I think at 11 p.m. maybe I would like to be submissive. And so I just walked Amazing. dick out the whole time and was like – because also fem, femdoms are very rare in Germany at the moment. Okay. Because kinks go in and out of fashion. Like puppy play is really big. What's in, puppy play now? Oh, when, you're a, when you're a dog. You're pretending to be a dog. Yeah, and it's so joyful and so fun. And so – because I do – I perform at Folsom Europe every year and there's this like puppy area and it's just the most beautiful thing because they're just like – and, you know, you ask the handler, you know, who's walking on a leash and then can I pat your dog and then you like pat him and they're just so happy and they're so – they're allowing them – because you can tell like in real life they're these like – you know, people with responsibilities and mortgages and an accountant job or whatever. And now they're just being a dog and they're running and they're chewing and they're biting and like getting pats and running around with other puppies. It's just the most joyful kink. And it's just really lovely. And so that's really big in Germany at the moment. Um, in Melbourne lately, boot blacking has been really big. Book blacking. Boot blacking. Boot yeah. blacking. So you get your boots all shiny. It's like getting a foot massage, but efficient because you get really shiny shoes afterwards. So someone, yeah, just shining your shoes. Oh, and they love it. Like it, for them, it's a craft. It's a fetish thing because they love shiny boots and they love turning oh. boots into being something shiny. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring just like going to town on a cake, just fisting a cake in because I think that'd be fun. And cakes are quite cheap now. Buy two, eat one, fuck one. You're saying too many things too quickly <laughs> for me to Sorry. gather my thoughts about everything that's happening right now. <laughs> I'm just you like, went from puppy play to fucking a cake in three seconds, and I'm still trying to get over the the fucking rope thing in the beginning. Did someone order a sack of weird? Can I go back to what you said about what happened in Edinburgh? And I wouldn't ask you if you hadn't brought it up, and you're it's a you're allowed to not talk about it if you don't oh. want to. You said, "Oh, it was being sexually harassed." Uh, so it was. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. yeah. Was so that? this was 2014, my second Edinburgh. And uh, the head venue tech at my venue um, was uh, being very sexually forward to me and, like, sending me these fucking emails about, like, oh, like, I looked at your photos today. Like, I Googled you and looked at your photos and then I kept looking. And I was like, fucking why? And because, you know, in Edinburgh, you are broken. Like, you are a husk of a person. And you're like, why the fuck do I need to deal with this now? And, um... I had that thing. It was amazing that I went through all the things you think you're not going to go through. Like, oh, I shouldn't make waves because I haven't been at this venue before. Oh, I shouldn't be a bother. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And lucky I'm a stubborn wog, so I'm, I'm Greek. We're allowed, sorry for international li- listeners. Um, in Australia, wog means Greek or Italian or Mediterranean. Um, so we're allowed to say that. <laughs> means something very different in the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm a stubborn Greek. So I was like, no, nah, bloody. Nah. And so I kind of mentioned it to the venue owner and also said to the guy in question, I'm like, 
you know, we're just friends. Like this is nothing. And then he was, he did this really seedy thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh. Oh, look, but, a little bit gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, and then so like I, I told quite a few people and they said that, yeah, he tends to like the hot fatties. Cause there was, um, some other comics that he like last year that he'd kind of, you know, knocked around with a bit and stuff. So he was obviously just testing the waters. And I mean, I don't fuck within the industry. Um, and it's amazing because my lived experience of some comics is very different to my other female comedian friends' lived experience of them because I I have a very blanket rule of never having sex with com- with comics, and it's good because they make that easy. And, <laughs> um, just because, and it's not just because because of you know they're everything I see in myself and go well no thanks it's because I'm too intense I'm too crazy I'm a relationship guy I'm not a one-night stand guy I wish I was because I do it so much but I don't want that like that in my workplace I don't want that to implode I don't want to get too clingy or I don't want to kind of get sick of them or whatever and then have that in my workplace I'm very like drama deterrent (laughs) so and it's really nice like in Edinburgh I stay with um this beautiful kinky queer polyamorous triad and it's so nice to have that escape from entertainment so i go home they hold an orgy in my in my honor every year and oh yeah like one year i fisted more people than i kissed in edinburgh that was new one year you fisted more people than you kissed in edinburgh yeah which is a metaphor do you not kiss them before you fist them that's so rude no oh oh, come on mate (laughs) Um, you never fist someone before you kiss them are you joking (laughs) The kiss with the fist. Did you learn nothing from Florence and the Machine? <laughs> At least buy me dinner first. Yeah. Oh no, because it was funny because um, it was it was a boy's birthday. A dear dear friend of mine. Yeah, of course it was. And he's like, <laughs> oh, Sophie's just having a drink, just wiping the beads of sweat. She's done. I know. I'm a lot to take in. <laughs> this is one of my friends said I'm a friend to introverts because I know how like much I am and because I do not understand introverts at all so I'm constantly doing the work and reading and every so often I'll say to someone like if we're having a, a lunch or something like do you need a break should we do an admin break and I literally like have a 15 minute admin break with them because you know it's good when you when you go to lunch with someone because you can order more stuff yeah. you know you can all share and stuff so I'm like all right I'm gonna give you a break from me I'm gonna do some emails <laughs> okay I'm gonna ask you uh the two questions I always ask, mm-hmm. but one of the times where you have time to answer. Okay. So this question is a question that I asked um, the boy band Westlife when I was 13 years old. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I was very proud of the question. I wanted uh, to be memorable and I wanted them to have a chance to say something that they never got to say because they were always, always, uh, always asked the same questions. Eight and a half um, inches engorged. <laughs> <laughs> is that the magic? What the magic <laughs> Uh, and they answered horrifically, so uh, there's pressure on you. Mm. So the question is this. What would you like for me to ask you? Um, do you think you're being too much? Yes. Do you want to go again? Yes, and I'll do less talking. <laughs> God, that says a lot about why me, do you, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> why, do you think, why do you think you're being too much? Because I'm just, I'm very, I'm a lot. I know I'm a lot to take on. <laughs> yeah, but do you never think that that's... Um, I know why you're saying it. Like, I understand mm. why you say it or why you feel the need to say it. But do you never consider that some people like that? No. <laughs> I get on Joseph Merrick, Elephant Man, like, Oh, you're so terribly kind to have me on the podcast. 
Um, I don't know. Oh, all right. What, what question? Um, tell us about your dog, Dr. Shadow. That's a nice one. She's a Nottweiler, which is a Roddy Mastiff cross. And she's a rescue and she's six and a half. And she's a gentleman. And we're raising her genderqueer and people get really angry about that. And she's got a resting somber pompous face, even when she's wagging her tail. Brr. Anyway, <laughs> just really like talking about it. No, I got that. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I'm still a bit struck by your th- thinking you I understand it like I but I what I think what I find weird is that I am in many ways so much less <laughs> than what you are and I think I have the same amount of yeah I'm too much no because so do you not think that's a mostly in our heads but also completely irrelevant because we can't turn it up or down so why not just oh. be like you the you, second part of that makes me uncomfortable no because see with you You've got this, like I said, you've got this quiet, commanding energy and people are drawn to you because of that, because you don't overspeak and like anything you say is like, is funny or insightful or considered. It seems like it anyway. <laughs> Fuck you, take the compliment. <laughs> the classic Lisa compliment sandwich of complimenting and then browbeating into acceptance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like, because the people I'm drawn to are the people who, who aren't too much you know i just i i just want to be a safe space for people and i hate but like everyone's too much to someone a like sounds in the distance right no what you yeah yeah, yeah yeah some yeah, people will be point. like you're not enough you're be more like yeah it's an individual thing but if you project that insecurity onto everyone you meet you know it'll be you'll spend half of your time apologizing for being this person instead oh, well, of I going <laughs> i know you do but you, unless i've given off uh um like a, an energy of that you're too no. much then no i do it all the yeah, time like i'll yeah. have someone in stitches on a radio interview as soon as they cut to a break i'll be like is that okay do you want to do it again i'm sorry is that okay um and i think it kind of freaks people out a bit but like because i want to be someone who who people know it's okay to call in or if i'm stuffing up or if i'm offending someone but because i'm such a dominant big personality i'm scared that they feel dissuaded of doing that because like the last thing I'm going to do if someone says hey I was offended by this I'm not going to go well you're a bloody idiot I'm going to say like I'm so sorry you know like can I think about it do you have the emotional energy to talk through why you were if not maybe point me to some links if not I'll do my own research thank you for telling me and then I do that and like consider that and everything and I'm scared I don't take that vibe (laughs) so Mm. There's so much more to say, but we're running out of time. Mm, but mm, so I want to ask the last question, and it's by far the last question. Like okay. we're going to do one or two more of these at some point <laughs> once I take it in. Uh, no, do not apologize. Okay. You were so, no. <laughs> yep. So good. No. I'm a good boy. I could do. I could do good things. Last question is this: You're uh, in the delivery room holding yourself as a baby. Oh, you right babies. now, thirty-six. Thirty-six. Yeah. Gross. So you're babies. holding teeny, teeny, tiny Lisa. Sky. Oh, what if I drop her? Well, <laughs> she'll die, I guess. Yeah. But, um, and uh, she's crying because everything's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah. is terrifying. She's just yeah. in a nice, mm, warm. Mm. And now there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's very horrifying. And you know that the next 36 years of her life is going to be scary in other ways. But it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be fucking bullying and society. And, and bad K-trips. Bad which is like being birthed again. Being, yes. Having to fist more people than you kiss. Exactly. Oh, and God. if you take MXC instead of ketamine, you're in a K-hole for eight hours. Exactly. Getting neurotoxicity. And you know all of that's going to happen to teeny tiny little sky. Oh. 
and she's crying. So you can say something uh, that might. Do you, is her your pronoun by the way? Either, yeah. I use yeah? for me personally. For me personally, for me. Yeah. I don't like the singular they for me, but um, he or she, I use them both interchangeably. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it seems like you can say something to him that would make her feel uh, less scared. If that is what you want to do. Yeah. So what will you say? It's a teeny tiny baby Lisa's guy. Uh, I'll hold her very tightly, give her a little hug, um, maybe rest my hands on the table so I don't drop her because uh, babies are disgusting and scary. Uh, I would say it's going to be really awful and then it's going to be better than you could ever imagine. And I love you and I'm already so proud of you. And you're right about Foghorn Leghorn in that in that Looney Tunes cartoon, that's gonna that's gonna be something. So yeah, you're gonna be cool, but first it's gonna be not, but then it's gonna be fine. Do you still need to be told any of that? <laughs> yeah, just hold me, Sophie. Just let's have some physical contact that isn't awkward at all. Let's hug. Oh, I'm so just... as long as you kiss me before you fist me, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for doing this first episode of Many. Uh, where can people find your stuff? Uh, everything's at the Lisa Sky. So T H E L I S A S K Y E on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or thelisasky.com if you want to know more about the Safety House Guide or any other of my stuff. <laughs> or if you want to know cool stuff about Berlin. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Are you okay? Like, sit down, have some water. Um, maybe talk to someone about what you just went through. <laughs> I love Lisa so much, and I hope you did too. I'll definitely have her back on. Like, definitely, at some point, because there's so much more to talk about. Um, but now it's about you, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You keep this podcast alive. You keep me alive. Thank you so much for supporting me. Both uh, those of you who share the podcast on social media, telling your friends about it, leave wonderful five-star reviews, um, use the Facebook group, uh, follow us on Twitter, all of that. It helps so, so much. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you so, 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 so much for doing that. Uh, to those of you who uh, support me financially, it's... it's <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say I can't even begin to... Oh, I'm sorry, that's me in the background. Well, it's not me in the background. It's um an ambulance or police something. Anyways. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, yeah, I'm not in a studio. I'm at home, okay? I'm at home. I had too much salmon for breakfast. You're going to just have to be okay with the background noises. At least I remember to turn off my fan because that was very loud. But it, so now it's just really hot and there's ambulances outside. So um, maybe don't complain. Uh, I'm going to say uh, a massive thank you to the people supporting me financially. You can either go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and support with a one-off through PayPal, or you can become a patron. Now, that's my favorite thing in the world. You go to patreon.com forward slash Mopad. Very simple, very easy to use, very trustworthy. And you decide what you want to give per episode. Now, I always uh, only send out one episode a week. I'll never send out more than that. Uh, so it's like, what, a maximum of five? Like so, like what some months a year is five Wednesdays in a in a month is that is that true? <laughs> it's fifty two weeks of the year. That's I think apart from some month. Anyways, don't get me started on um, geology. So <laughs> you can um, patreon.com dot com forward slash mopad. 
M-O-H-P-O-D. If you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that uh, I get to shout out your name at the end of the episode, meaning that I will butcher your name completely. I do apologize, but I will also always remember your name forever. So that's the thing. So I want to give a huge thank you to these wonderful people. Thank you to Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingrith, Phil Vabalus, Katrina Ellingson, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, Marbles Lost, Rachel Ayers, Nina Collingwood, Maya Rainey, Claire McCowlin, Paul Swaddle, Sarah Allett, Danielle Rowley, Ronya Ronya, Robert Lee Can, Kat Posse, Ragdoll, Queen T, um, Kamaya Overall, Jessica, Sheena Machette Cole, Robert, no, Robert, why did I say Robert? It was Gregory. Gregory Mk, Janie Mahoney, Mansomir, Hannah Kill, Helena Thomas, Josie, Lily, Harry Minnett, Sissel uh, Fjeldsun, Rachel Hemsey, Mary Fraser, Lucy, Eileen Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reen, Ruth Harvey, Katie Hatfield, Robin Cabber, Karen Threthaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Circle, Larsen, Inger Ellingson, Caleb Melchior, Dr. Boder Cycle, Squish, Squash, Squelch, Emma Walson, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Grace Suter, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Fierra, Ike Sith, and Daniel Rivershead. Ah. <laughs> I love you all so much. Thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artists Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.